you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team. Yo, 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 Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is a daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio, Chavez Ravine Fiends. Back another week with Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, it is officially opening day week. Yes, it is, uh, and we even got to watch the Dodgers play against a team that wasn't the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium, so it was almost like real baseball, and it made me happy. Yeah, so we got a lot to get into regarding that game and also some news and notes from over the weekend. Before that, a quick reminder to subscribe to Locked on Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car or if you're at home, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. All right, Jeff. Um, let's see. Over the weekend, we had a bunch of stuff. We'll start off with AJ Pollock, who revealed that he did test positive for the coronavirus, did show some symptoms, ultimately, and ultimately decided to play the season with the support of his wife, even though they had the premature daughter. Yeah, Jeff, just jump right into it. Yeah, it's uh, it sounds like a pretty scary thing for him. He was not asymptomatic uh like uh i I guess maybe we'll talk a little bit about yasel puig later um but you know pollock was sick with this and that meant not seeing his baby daughter for a couple weeks um which is you know leaving his wife uh to handle all that on her own is uh it it shows a lot how tough she is and i mean i I think you got to be a special kind of person to be married to a major league baseball player anyway, just with how much they're gone. Uh, and so maybe for her, it wasn't as big a deal, but, uh, it sounds like a big deal to me. And I'm glad to hear that he is, is fully recovered. As far as we can tell, seems healthy. Uh, he was able to work on baseball stuff once he was feeling better, even while he was still quarantined, he has a batting cage at home and stuff. So he was able to kind of stay in baseball shape, but, uh, Happy to see that he is healthy and back, and I really admire his wife for being so supportive. It sounds like she kind of pushed him to to play and not opt out. Uh, she told him, can you imagine watching the Dodgers win a World Series from the couch? And uh, just knowing how important that uh, team camaraderie, camaraderie is to him, uh, she encouraged him to play, and uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's cool, and their daughter is now 8 pounds, I believe, which is pretty incredible from where she started. I want to say she started around 1 or 2 pounds, so uh, everything good so far on the Pollock side. Hopefully that can continue, and hopefully he can have a great season. Other things that we learned about over the weekend, some roster stuff. The Dodgers added Terrence Gore, Devin Mann, and Cody Hosey to the player pool, which basically tells us that the other three that were put on the I.L., uh, were probably COVID-related, right, Jeff? Yeah, it's hard to see how they wouldn't be because uh, COVID ILs don't count against a 60-man pool, and there are 63 guys, and with those three, Edwin Uceta, uh Cody Thomas, and Zach Rex, on the IL, 
And so the only way they're down to 60 is if all three of those are COVID-related. doesn't necessarily mean they have COVID, um, because to be on the COVID IL, you don't have to have it or even have tested positive. You just have to be unavailable for COVID-related reasons, which could be exposure, so having a quarantine. It uh, could, could be a lot of different things uh, that aren't necessarily a positive COVID test, but uh, it seems like it seems like that's pretty likely. Yeah, but in, in, in moving on just from that, so Terrence Gore officially added he had a pinch run opportunity. I don't did he end up scoring? I don't remember if he ended up scoring. He did. Yeah, so yeah. he ended up scoring. You know, Cody Hosey and and Devin Mann more so to probably just work out now. Real path for them to get anywhere near the big league team unless there's a big rash of injuries or a breakout. But yeah, Terrence Gore, it'll be interesting to see if it's something they're going to try to start with right away on with the 30-man roster the first couple weeks or if he's just kind of there in case uh, they need him. Yeah, and it's hard to see, you know, Man or Hosey getting any playing time. I think it really is just it boils down to what it is for a lot of these guys, which is with no minor league season, the only way they're getting – any work in right now is if they're in the 60-man pool. I was talking to uh, to Petey Montero, who we had on the show a month or two ago. I was talking to him the other day, and and they're not they're still not sure what they're going to be able to do, if anything, with the minor leaguers who aren't on the in the 60-man pool. I don't know whether to say on the 60-man pool or in the 60-man pool. Ian is grammatically correct, but we're so used to saying on the roster. Uh, so anyway, I'm most likely going to say on and then correct myself to in every time. So just prepare yourself for that. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're not sure if they're going to be able to have any sort of, you know, extended spring training with any of those other guys or anything during this season. And so the only way to be sure that these guys are going to get any work in is to have them on in the 60-man pool. And so I think that's all these moves are for the most part. Uh, Terrence Gore is obviously a, a special situation where he might get playing time. Uh, but but the other guys, it's just to get them work, I think. All right, the last bit of news we got was the rotation. We heard Walker Bueller, who was the lowest or slowest to ramp up, is going to get to start the fifth game, probably in Houston. But before that, it'll go Kershaw, Stripling, Julio, Alex Wood. Anything on this, Jeff, or does it you know not really matter in the grand scheme of things? I mean, ultimately, it doesn't. Uh, rotation order is not that big a deal. What it does is it puts Kershaw and Bueller back-to-back, uh, which normally they would be with one of them pitching opening day and the other one pitching the second game. Uh, they are the two aces of the staff. Uh, and so this puts them back-to-back after that first time through the rotation. Uh, the other thing it does is it lines up for them, for Kershaw and Bueller, to pitch the two, the two games against the Astros in the first week of the season. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, I think it helps that Bueller wasn't as built up, so it makes sense to have him be the number five starter. But it sure doesn't hurt to have uh, Bueller's first start come in the first game against the Astros with Dustin May ready to piggyback off of him. Uh, I think the Dodgers are going to go into into Houston wanting to win those games and, and really – uh, obviously, they want to win every game, but I think there's going to be a little extra motivation, whether they will admit it or not. Um, and to go in, simply put, the Astros are a better team than the Giants, and so lining up your best pitchers to face the better team makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and we saw the Bueller-May combo duo in one of the intra-squad games, 
and it was a pretty filthy combo. Walker Bueller uh, specifically had one pitch against Mookie Betts that was uh, very Frisbee-like, and then Justin May came in and, and shut it down as well. I believe they were on Team Kike, so Team Turner had no real chance against those two. Yep, for sure. Uh, you know, May wasn't perfect, but this stuff is definitely there, and you can understand why everybody, including us, is so excited about him. Yep. All right, that will do it for the news and notes. We are going to talk about the first inter-squad game against the Diamondbacks. But before we do that, let's talk about CBDMD. Doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. And luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. There's also CBD Recover, which combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, all listeners get 25% off their next order with the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. That's CBDMD.com. Promo code locked on MLB, 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products. And keep it locked on Dodgers. Alright, Jeff. So I went into the obscure former Dodger process this time without really a rhyme or reason. And then ended up being able to connect it to something relevant to make it have a rhyme or reason. So the Canadian government denied the Blue Jays. Uh, the ability to play their games at the Rogers Center or basically in Canada. So the Blue Jays are now scrambling to find an alternative site, more than likely Buffalo or Dunedin, I believe, where their minor league affiliates are. But I, I had searched the 1990 Dodgers and I found a guy who was relevant enough. And then uh, surprisingly enough, he ended up playing most of his career in Montreal with the Expos and in Toronto with the Blue Jays. So that guy is... Darren Fletcher. Darren Fletcher was a catcher drafted by the Dodgers on the sixth round in 1987. He came up in 1989 and played a couple game or a handful of games in 89, handful of games in 1990. And then he was traded to the Phillies for Dennis Cook in 1990. Was with the Phillies for about a year, traded to the Expos, and then remained with the Expos for a while. Was an all-star there one of the years, and then went on to the Blue Jays. And, you know, not a nothing remarkable or stand out about his career, but just a, a solid catcher right there in the 90s and, and early 2000s a little bit. Not much really looking through if he has any other stories about him. He was a son of a former major league player and the grandson of a longtime minor league player. Yeah, that's about it. He did some occasional color commentary for the Blue Jays after he retired. But that's really all I got for Darren Fletcher. Jeff, you got anything? Uh, not to speak of, I was just looking at the 1987 draft when the Dodgers drafted him, and uh, it was not a very good draft for them. They uh, only drafted a handful of guys 
who signed with them and eventually made the le major leagues, like seven guys, and none of them. Darren Fletcher was easily their best, <laughs> the best guy they drafted that year. Um, I mean, they their first round pick, Dan Opperman, never made the big leagues. Second round pick, Don Carroll, never big, made the big leagues. Third round pick, Chris Nickting made the big leagues, would have actually had better stats if he hadn't made the big leagues. He finished his career with a negative war. Uh, yeah, it was a lousy draft, and Darren Fletcher didn't do anything for the Dodgers, but he ended up uh, having a, a solid and somewhat lengthy career. Yeah. All right, let's move on. The Dodgers played the Diamondbacks on Sunday in an inter-squad game. The Dodgers... Uh, handled that very well, winning by the score of 9-2. to two. We'll go through what stood out to us or other things, but uh, just to, to kick it off, the Dodgers started off right away, loaded the bases. Cody Bellinger hit a grand slam, and then in the third inning, that top of the order produced another two runs. So the first two times through the order, Mookie Betts, Max Muncie, Justin Turner, and Cody Bellinger only recorded one out, and that was a sack fly off the bat of Justin Turner. So that's not too bad, right, Jeff? Yeah, that was, uh, it was fun to watch. Things were a little bit iffy in the top of the first when, when, uh, pitcher, whose name I'm forgetting? Mitchell White. Mitchell White gave up a home run to Cattell Marte. Uh, but then White shut down, shut him down. He didn't allow another base runner. Uh, pitched five innings and, uh, shut him down after the, after the solo homer. And obviously the Dodgers came out just firing, uh, Bellinger, Looked comfortable at the plate. Um, it, it, he's still using his new stance, it looked like. Um, but And maybe he just needed the adrenaline of facing somebody else's pitching. Uh, maybe he's just been being nice to Dodgers pitchers the last week or so. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he unloaded. Even his one out was a hard hit line drive to the outfield. And uh, Mookie Betts looked great. It just offensively, it, one thing that really struck me was the DH and how... There's just no break. Uh, you, the, this team, um, it used to be at least you would have you would have the pitcher spot and say, okay, I can take a breather. And sometimes that didn't work out for you because the Dodgers have had decent hitting pitchers too. Um, but now there's just no break with that DH spot. And uh, everybody out there, even the guys who aren't necessarily, you know, a guy like Kike Hernandez who probably won't be a starter uh, but he can do some damage to you. Chris Taylor came in and uh, got an RBI single off the bench. You know, they have, there's just no breaks. And if I wasn't a Dodger fan, I really think I would hate the Dodgers because it would make me angry. Yeah. Yeah. One guy that I guess you could maybe consider a break in the lineup, depending how he shows up this year is Austin Barnes. He was hit by a pitch in the hand, uh, had x-rays. They came back negative. So that's good to see or else. We might have got a bigger, even Rocky Gale had an RBI hit though, but we might have got a bigger taste of Rocky Gale or seen the Dodgers go after somebody else if that pitch had been uh, maybe in a little bit different spot, a couple inches here or there. Uh, other than that, what stood out, not necessarily in the game, but we'll go a little bit outside the scope of the game. Uh, the, the the players, kind of the, the cheering section as they called it on the auxiliary dugout where they can practice social distancing. That was fun. Clayton Kershaw posted a selfie with a few of the guys over there. Alex Wood and Ross Stripling were hanging out in the new the home run seats out there. Ross Stripling took a selfie with one of the cutouts. So, you know, obviously it's not going to happen in the regular season, but it was a cool little 
added effect to this little inner squad game. I wonder if it might happen in the in the regular season. Some of that stuff. I mean, when there aren't any fans in the stadium, you really can do whatever you want. And I I think it would be fun for the guys to go sit out in the bleachers for a while, you know, or whatever. Uh, that part, yeah, I don't. I'm talking about maybe more like tweeting and posting pictures. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the tweeting <laughs> during the game for sure. Um, but but you know, I I think I think you got to figure out ways to have some fun with this. And uh, you know, you can have fun, especially the pitchers. You know, a starting pitcher who knows he's not going to be called upon or even a reliever in the first few innings of the game. You know, you can watch the game and know, oh, if my starter's getting lit up. I guess I better head to the bullpen in case they need me. But, you know, there's a lot of a lot of potential. And if you're if you're sitting on the bench or whatever or DHing, you know, it, it seems like it, they might be able to have some fun with it. And and anything they can do since it's not going to be normal, anything they can do to make it fun for us watching the game, I, I think is, is good. Yeah. Uh, getting back into the game, you, you mentioned Mitchell White had a little bit of trouble in the first inning, but after that settled down and, reti- and retired, I believe 15 in a row, um, the rest of the way mixing in some really good off speed pitches, uh, you know, gave up a couple times hard contact, but nothing that ended up biting him after the home run. So, you know, one of those guys who was, you know, highly touted originally, maybe lost a little shine last year and now starting to build it back up. Yeah, and and you know, obviously it's just one game, but I mean it's against what's likely to be the Diamondbacks starting lineup or close to it, and the Diamondbacks are picked by a lot of people to be a wild card team. This is a, a solid team that he went because out there. Because of the offense too. Yeah, because of their offense. And so to go out there and and shut them down like that was really, really impressive. Uh, one other thing that jumped out at me uh, with a different pitcher, even though he only faced one batter, A.J. Ramos came in, uh, Adam Cleric came in and faced his three batters. One of them got on, so there was only two outs. And uh, and so they brought in A.J. Ramos. And, and, you know, it's one batter. And I'm not going to jump to too many conclusions, but he looked really good in that one batter. Yeah, his strikeout pitch, I want to say it was a changeup, but it might have been a breaking ball of sorts, was very good. I mean, it, it broke down. He shook out who Marte, I believe, who's you know the Diamondbacks' best hitter and an all-star last year. So, yeah, like I said, one batter, but you know to be put into a spot, in a spot that he could potentially come into, you know, finish out and get the last out, replace Kaleric if he's already gone to his three batters and they don't want him to face another righty or lefty or whatever it is. I like it and, you know, good to see. And I don't know if they're going to try him on a back-to-back or if they're kind of keeping him short. We'll see what they do uh, in tomorrow's game or today's game now for you guys. Yeah, it was a change-up that he struck out Marte with. Um, yeah. You know, they brought in uh, they brought in Ramos. Marte is obviously a switch hitter, and so he uh, he could have faced Kalerik. Um He's roughly – he was – last year he was really good from both sides, so there's not really – a platoon advantage against Marte. So basically they went with who's more likely is Ramos more likely to get him out lefty or Caleric righty. And we, unfortunately we've seen the answer with Caleric is probably not getting a righty out. Um, but Ramos, if that changeup can work for him like that, we know he has stuff to get righties out, but that changeup could be an equalizer and make him a guy who they really can count on to face righties and lefties, which is really what you need, especially with the new, the new three batter minimum rule and everything, uh, having a lot of relievers who can get guys out from both sides of the plate 
is what you're looking for. And that change up, that's why I'm so excited about that one pitch, because a change up like that can just really be a game changer. Yeah, it was a very dirty pitch. Other than that, I don't really have anything else that stood out to me. It was nice to hear John Oro back in the booth, the piped in crowd noise. It still, you know, leaves a little to be desired, but it, it's close enough. And honestly, you know, just watching the game, you felt, I, at least for me, I felt more excited for more opening day on Thursday, and I didn't think I could get any more excited. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, the, the, when you're just watching from the center field camera, watching the batter, you know, you notice that there's not the fans behind the plate. Um, the, I noticed that the section right behind the plate, Mary Hart's section, Dennis Gilbert's section was still covered with a tarp. I don't know if that's going to be the case during the season or if they just have it covered until, uh, cause I, I mentioned, I think last week that when I went to buy my, my cutout, that section was already sold out. And so I guess it's possible they're not selling that section, but it seems like they probably would. Uh, anyway, um, but watching for that angle, you didn't really notice too much. It just felt like baseball, you know, because you're watching the action at the plate. The one time that it really was noticeable was, uh, you know, like on Cody's Grand Slam, seeing the ball and seeing uh, Cole Calhoun going for the ball and getting close to the stands and seeing empty stands. It was a little bit weird. Um at least in part because it's harder to catch the flight of the ball. Did you notice that, Vince? Like, yeah. you, because the yellow seats and the ball, there's no Dodger blue out there for the ball to offset against. And uh, so it made it harder to follow the flight of the ball, which was something I hadn't anticipated being an issue. But on that one, uh, I kind of had to take, and I wondered if Joe and Oral kind of felt that too, because Joe didn't seem quite as confident that it was going to be gone maybe as, as much as he might have other times. Yeah, I wasn't sure that ball was gone right off the bat either. And then, I mean, it was still a little bit closer than, it wasn't a no-doubter by any sense, but, you know, Cole Calhoun didn't really have a chance at catching it. So we'll see if, uh, you know, we start having to check our judging skills as the season goes on. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mentioned Yasiel Puig a little bit earlier. Uh, We had mentioned last week that that Puig was signing with the Braves pending the physical, Uh, unfortunately for Puig and probably for the Braves uh, Puig did not pass that physical because he tested positive for COVID. He said he's asymptomatic uh, and it's not out of the question that the Braves will still sign him once he, you know, especially if he w- if he's asymptomatic, we don't know how long he had it. So maybe he was near the end and maybe in the next day or two, he'll test negative a couple times and maybe he still signs with the Braves. But as of right now, that's off the table and Puig is still a free agent, which is a, uh, Kind of a bummer if for no other reason than it it keeps open the possibility that he's going to sign with the Giants. It was a trip because I you know I follow his his girl well, I don't know if they're still together his baby mama on Instagram and he was with them and the kids not too long ago he hadn't really been with them in the whole off season uh, but and she's pregnant but she posted that she tested negative and then she ended up having the baby a couple of days ago so congrats to Puig on his on a, a new child and hopefully like you said he can get all better and maybe resign with the Braves or somebody else anybody but the Giants all right Jeff anything else yeah one last thing I, I tweeted about this but I want to mention it uh, we got our our newsletter for the Locked On Podcast Network today and uh, we Locked On Dodgers was the most listened to baseball podcast on the network last week and so we want to thank you guys for listening um, 
it's really important because David Locke, who owns the Lockdown Podcast Network, is a Giants fan, and uh, he gets grumpy when Lockdown Dodgers is the most listened to show. And so I think it's important that David Locke understands that our choices have consequences. And when you choose to be a Giants fan, sometimes bad things happen, like you being sad about Lockdown Dodgers being the most listened to show on your network. So let's improve that even more this week. Please tell your friends about it and let them know it's important for the fragile psyche of a, of a Giants fan. I know fragile psyche and Giants fan are kind of synonymous, but it's important to make David Locke sad by making Locked On Dodgers even more the most listened to baseball show on the Locked On Podcast Network this week. And uh, even if you don't want to listen to us, you're, you're, the fact that you're a Dodger fan should make you want to make David Locke sad. That is very true, and that's where we will end today's episode. Make sure to subscribe and tell your friends and family, like Jeff said. We are Locked On Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. We are on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. Post about us, tweet about us. We'll share it and we will let people know that you're listening to the best podcast that's on the MLB family. No disrespect to anyone else. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. Other ways to get a hold of us if you don't want to go through the DMs on any of those accounts. You can shoot us a text or leave us a voicemail at 323-863-LOCK. That's 5625. Or shoot us an email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. We will be here every weekday morning and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. D, I say D-O, D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all heart, all heart and all thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye.